The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building Resilience. Talking trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Good morning, Australia. Good evening, America. You're listening to Tony Lontis live on Radio Tony. And just a reminder that we have a Radio Tony Facebook page where you can jump on and connect with me. Also, Radio Tony now has its own website where you can catch up on episodes that you've missed, connect with me, ask me questions, and look at all the good things we have on that site at the moment. On other social media, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So, Today, in the stream of being Mental Health Month, we decided today that we would talk about the difficult subject of depression. And so just a warning before we get into the show that if this triggers something for you, then please reach out and talk to someone about that, your GP, a friend, or the best thing you can do if you're worried about something is to have a conversation with someone you trust. So before we introduce the glorious Tracy Horton, who is our show sponsor this month, I'm going to just describe a little bit of about what depression is and then we'll get into the subject a bit more. So depression or depressive illnesses are classified as mood disorders in the medical field. And these include... <coughs> Pardon me, anything from major depression to dysrhythmia. They have a number of symptoms that affect people socially, occupationally, educationally, interpersonally, etc. Sorry, people, I'm going to have to have a quick sip of water, which has never happened to me live on it before. Sorry about that. How does one become depressed? Basically, works a little bit like this the nerves in our brain. They don't touch each other, but rather they pass messages from one end to the next through chemicals called neurotransmitters. We need just the right amount of chemicals between the nerve ends to pass the exact same message from one nerve to the next. If there isn't enough of that chemical, the message doesn't get passed along correctly. And in this case, depression or depressive illness can result. And when it comes to depressive disorders, the chemicals most frequently out of balance are serotonin and norepinephrine. A person living with depression often experiences something completely different 
thoughts before and after the depressive episode. This can result in a chemical imbalance and lead the person into not understanding the options available to help them relieve their suffering. Many people suffer from depression report feeling as though they've lost the ability to imagine a happy future or remember a happy past. Often they don't realise they're suffering from a treatable illness and seeking help may not even met into their mind. Emotions and even physical pain can become unbearable. They don't want to die, but it's the only way they feel their pain will end. It's a truly irrational choice. Suffering from depression is involuntary and just like cancer and diabetes, it's a treatable illness and it can be well managed. So good morning, Tracy. How are you? I'm great, Tony. How are you? I'm good, thanks, darling. I was looking forward to this show despite the heavy nature of the show. And just for those listeners, we are going to... um, break part-time and we're going to play some healing music just to uh, make sure that we have a balanced show. So Tracy, you're, uh, you've got a good knowledge of what depression looks like in people's lives. Do you want to tell us briefly about that? Um, the easiest, the very easiest way that I can explain it is Depression is like something external of yourself that just comes straight in at these points where you feel like you can't work things out. So for a a lot of my clients, I describe it like this. It's like they're walking down a corridor and when they get to the corner, they can't move. They can't, they can't pivot. And that, that sheer dead end, that sheer inability to, to work it out, it's like, this black dog just comes in and just creeps in on them. It is definitely a medical condition. And I really want to stipulate that because I want to take away the mystification of it and the shame of it, because it's exactly like having um, needing to have right now. I need to have an iron infusion every two weeks. My iron's got a bit low. Yeah. Depression's exactly the same. Sometimes you're going to need medication for it. Sometimes you are going to need to seek, medical help and I I want to take the stigma away Tony because I truly think that it is it is something that can come on anybody at any time in their life and by talking it and doing the show with you you know hopefully we can really debunk this and help people to understand that if they're suffering from it some of them are going to need to talk to a doctor and get some medical help with that yeah um I thought This morning, Tracy and I talked about this show and I thought I'd just briefly share with listeners some of my journey because I've had depression for most of my life and I'm pretty sure that it started at the end of my my later teens, but it wasn't officially diagnosed until I actually had a breakdown in my 40s. And so I spent the longest time fearful of a depression diagnosis. So in my early 20s, when I first went to a GP in tears, I remember a frank discussion with her and her begging me to try some medication because she recognized in me depression back then. But being the nurse that I was, I felt that 
to have a mental health diagnosis like depression was equivalent to the death knoll in my health career. And back then, nobody talked about it. There weren't the plethora of resources and help available now. And so I let it go until the point where I had a physical and mental breakdown. And that was in my 40s. And I first went on to medication then. And it was only when my treating GP, um, I was sitting in his office and I could not stop crying. I could not see any positive future at all and he sat me down and he said Tony you need to stop work take medication and get some proper counseling if you don't I fear for you and so that was the wake-up call for me and I'd fought it for a good 20 years plus and I finally gave in finally started taking some medication and getting some help and it was then that I started to realize it was about the chemical imbalance in my brain for whatever reason it had been there for the longest time and and it took another journey of 10 years to get that depression under control and managed it was a course of trial and error with a number of medications to see what worked best one of them worked for a number of years and then just stopped working resulting in a second breakdown and so I just wanted to be open and honest with the listeners today to tell you that you are not alone in this if this is something that you experience and to our questions today Ruby says what if there was nothing to remember happy from the past Tracy do you want to reflect on Ruby's question yeah that's a that's a really great question Ruby and you know what I find with depression Tony I find that it is the it is the ailment of the strong. Yes. Because it starts with anxiety and stress. And most of the time, the weaker people will recognise anxiety and stress and feel into it and deal with it. But the people that feel they have to be strong for everybody, yeah. the people that are carrying other people's traumas, the people that are yes. carrying other people's responsibilities, yeah. those really strong people, they they don't stop. They don't pick that up. They don't see those early warning signs. And so I often find with the people I work with with depression, it is literally the ailment of the strong. Yeah, I, and, I would agree. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, such as myself, there was a big time in my life where I had nothing good to reflect on in the past. Yeah. Um, my child, my childhood was devastating, and yes, I had nothing to do. But all I can say is that. You have to adopt an attitude of believing in yourself and that your story is still able to be written as long as you can draw breath and find a way to find other things to replace the backstory. Create a new story, create a current story, um, because otherwise the depression will, will really take you down the dark rabbit hole. And that's yeah. why suicide is so prevalent in both America yes. and New and Australia, because we don't talk about this and we don't help people with it. Hedy wants to know, how do you recognise depression in yourself and others? So some of the signs and, and symptoms of depression, and this is more than we all feel sad, moody or low from time to time, and some people experience these feelings intensely. It's when they last longer than a few uh, weeks, and there may or may not be... Uh, 
a reason for that. So some of the things that you can identify in yourself and others include not going out anymore, not getting things done, withdrawing from close friends and families, relying on alcohol and sedatives, not doing your usual enjoyable activities, being unable to concentrate, you might feel overwhelmed, guilty, irritable, frustrated, lacking in confidence, unhappy, indecisive, disappointed. Some of your thoughts may include, I'm a failure, it's my fault, nothing good ever happens to me, I'm worthless, life's not worth living, people would be better off without me. You feel tired all the time, sick and run down, headaches and pain, sleep problems, loss of appetite and a significant weight loss or weight gain. Now, depression is sometimes hard to diagnose and I have a little checklist which I'll put in the chat box that you can uh, just simply fill out and assess your own feelings. But it can sometimes be difficult to recognize, but it is a deep, dark, black feeling and cloud over you and your life. That's the best way I can describe it. And you can get out of that by reaching out to someone. That's really important, isn't it, Tracy? Absolutely. It's one of the first things you should do is if you suffer from depression, you should have a network. Because the way our three brains work is that the internal dialogue is always negative in form of protection. It is. So it's always protecting me. Will Tony be my friend? Well, maybe she won't, you know. It's always protecting me. But when you talk that out, when you talk it externally and people reply to you, you can hear things much easier and more positively. So the very first thing you should do, especially if you think somebody is suffering from depression, you should become their network. You should get around them, ask them, um, because they'll be very... Normally, by the time people are starting to think you have depression, the things that Tony read out will be fairly, most of them will be fairly prevalent in your life. And so just by confronting somebody, their sheer reaction and inability to even respond to you will be a sign as to how far they've gone and how much they're going to need help. Yeah. Harper wants to know, how hard would you say it is to get through depression? Well, Harper, from my personal perspective, Uh, experience it has been a lifelong struggle and if and I have uh, a journey of finding things that work for me and that's taken quite a long time so uh, and I still have the propensity to fall into depression from time to time so between my first breakdown and my second breakdown was only three years and I didn't know that after the first breakdown and into a major depressive disorder that I was then prone to have a breakdown again so it was the second uh, breakdown that taught me the most that I had to uh, change the way that I did life and change the way that I thought about myself and my condition in my own mind. And therefore, it's been uh, a much longer time since that uh, second depressive breakdown that I've had to deal with it. So for the most part, I remain pretty 
healthy, happy and whole. Uh, at the beginning of, of this year, I have dipped back into uh, a depressive episode and I know what I need to do to bring myself out the other side. So that's confiding in really close uh, deep friends like Tracy, for instance, and it's also making sure I go back to my psychologist who's been with me for 11 years and making sure that I start to talk out some of those things that are going on in my mind. So for me, it's a lifelong battle. And uh, despite the medication keeping me pretty stable most of the time, I still have to be very careful about what level of stress I'm experiencing and what I put myself through in terms of my self-talk. Oliver says, if you get depression, does it stay with you all your life? Well, Oliver, in my case, I'm pretty sure it's going to stay with me all my life. But I know from Tracy's perspective, there's a lot of people out there that just have an episode, they get through it, and they're good. And I think it's very individual to your brain. Would you agree, Tracy? I would. You know, Tony, I'd like to bring up that that word, you know, can you get through it? Because yes. I think that brings a lot of pressure to people because we're still yeah. not understanding that mental health is everybody's responsibility. And I actually believe everybody is in a state of mental health somewhere along the lines. And for some of us, like myself, I work extremely hard to stay in the healthy zone. And I think think that along the way, things happen to us. And when when they're given to us, it's up to us to make beauty out of them. For instance, as you all know, I was very sexually abused and beaten as a child that's not something I got through it was something I healed it was something I understood was now part of my story right or wrong good or bad it was part of my dance and once Mm -hmm. I healed it and once I just took responsibility and said you know what being that person will create this person And I think, you know, when people, especially with depression and stuff, because there's always this angst and this pressure. Can't you just get over it? Can't you just get through this? Well, you know what? They actually can't, and we don't have to make them. We just don't have to make them. Because sometimes the people in our communities that are walking around with this depression are actually some of our empaths, some of our most intuitive people, some of our most loving people. And sometimes they're just the canary in the cage. You know, they're just sensing things around society before they take us all out. And it's important, I think, for us to just say, because I have, I have one of my daughters that struggles with this. And, yeah. and I'm truly thinking that it's probably going to be part of her dance the rest of her life. And yes. I'm very conscious not to, not to push her to get through anything or process anything. Um, She's on medication now, and I I think she possibly is going to be on it for most of her life because it's just just a part of her dance now. It's just a part of of who she is and what she's about. And I think it can be with you for life because these things are defining moments, but they don't have to define your life. And I, I want to make that really clear, that while... My story is part of my life. It doesn't define me. It hasn't owned me. Some 40 years on, I'm not anybody's victim. I'm not anybody's patsy, you know. I've created a life for myself. I've found my own healing pathways. And and I think it's important for people to understand that, that while, you know, 
because you're a great example of this, Tony. You know, you do live with this and you live with it beautifully. But in all the time that I've worked with you and all the times that we've spoken together and travelled together, I've never once felt that it's been anything other than your own personal journey and Mm. you've been beautiful to be around and and it hasn't really affected anything that we've done together. You've functioned at the same level as me. So, you know, it's... It's very much able to be lived with. And I think I think we need to just take a big deep breath and say, hey, depression's here. Yes. And, and, it, and it's okay that it is. Yeah. Wensi's got a question. Can you have a go of it without medication? Wensi, absolutely. I know um, many people get uh, work with depression without medication. I know for myself and I battled with accepting taking medication and again I had a wonderful GP who just sat me down and said your brain has suffered a traumatic event and a series of traumatic events and in helping you cope with those the chemicals inside your brain no longer work like they should so the medication helps my brain stay on an even keel I guess you could say so some of the things that um, can cause you to fall into depression are things like life events like big long work stress loneliness isolation which in current world events under COVID that's why there's been such an emphasis in Australia on providing resources and money for mental health because one of the top growth things in the mental health across the COVID uh, health crisis has been depression. There's lots of other things that can uh, cause you to go in depression. There's family history, uh, your personality, if you've got or had a serious mental Ill, uh, medical illness, drug and alcohol abuse, and it changes your brain. It changes how your brain processes information and that's often the reason why you need to take medication other people with depression find that meditative yoga uh, quiet practices help them uh, maintain control and management of their depression it is it's very individual for people and you need to work out what works for you because what works for me may not work for someone else Zara's just asking, what would a breakdown look like and feel like? Okay, Zara, from my personal experience, the first breakdown was in the lead up to a whole range of things. Uh, Major shift, major work change, work stresses, huge family stresses, um, shifting house three or four times, and I had a little incident at work I went home from work and I couldn't stop crying and in the end I suddenly recognized this is not good I cannot stop crying and that was the start that was my breakdown I went to the GP and as soon as I walked in I just burst into tears and I could not stop crying so that's what my breakdown looked like it will be individual and different for other people but mine usually is led by uncontrollable tears that don't necessarily have a reason 
or there may have been a reason that tipped off the tears, but the ongoing tears have no reason. I, I just can't stop them. So that's what it looks like for me. I'm sure other listeners listening today have differing versions on that. Annie, if you face it head on, is it best? And yes, I think that the first step in getting you help and management of depression is to just take a deep breath and go, okay, I need some help. Once you get to that point, then you start to reach out to people who will help you. And not everyone will be right for you. Would you say, Tracy, not everyone is understanding and empathetic? And if that's the case, then you find the people who help you and stay away from the people who don't. Would you say that, Trace? Yeah, absolutely. You know, <clears throat> a breakdown has looked similar in every pe- every person in a couple of ways. And so I just want to pop back to that, Tony, if that's okay. Because yeah. one of the things is, is that their emotions will be very heightened. Yeah. Very heightened. So they'll either withdraw where you just can't get hold of them or in Tony's case where they cried a lot um you know for for my daughter it just everything was angry every single thing was angry if she spilt sugar out of her coffee cup she was angry and and uncontrollably so but the other thing to look for people is with depression it lies to the person it's 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 attacking and it tells them they have to hide so yes. if you notice a, sh- a change in somebody where they've gone from being who they are in your life and how they function in your life normally, and that's really different, that's really moved, yeah. then then you need to start asking them some questions for their own sake and just start inquiring about it. And I would say this, remember that depression attacks the serotonin so eventually so once chemical in your brain people that's right once that's depleted enough it actually does change brain function so when that's occurred you will need to seek medical advice and you will need to take some sort of supplement either by choice it will be natural or chemical but you will have to get some help because your body can't remake that you have to give it to it in a in a you know chemical or natural substance until it can say okay I like this and I want to do it because once you're depleted of something like I am of iron I'm so depleted my body can't remake it so I'm giving it iron it's exactly the same with depression and And it does it, it it does change the way that your brain functions so what Whatever it has been that's tipped you into depression, it's changed the chemical balance in your brain and the way that your brain processes information. And that's not something that you can, you need help to fix that. So for a lot of people, the the struggle and the management of depression is finding what works for you. And you can be helped on this journey by the people in and around you. And I find for me, it's very much about the people that I allow in and close to me. Because there will be times where I don't go into that major depressive episode, but I still dip in and out of depression. 
and I know what I need to do to help myself get back on an even track again. And a lot of that is around the people I allow in and out of my life. So I tend to also get very overwhelmed. And one of the things that I've done this year is to simplify my life again. I was working, 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 and I've discovered that that's not going to work for me. Yes, I work hard and I like to work hard, but that no longer serves me best. So I must make sure that I have some more time off and that's what I'll be doing in the future. Now, I was going to break the show at this point and play some healing uh, music, but I think this conversation is too important to break. So I think that with Rebel's permission, we'll do uh, the three-minute healing uh music at the end of the program so that you get to experience some of that healing for after talking about such a deep uh, subject um, over the course of this the session um, ivy wants to know changes ivy it changes your brain in a way that mine can't go back i'm not saying everyone's brain can't go back to pre-depression way but for me it's not going to go back because it's been there for so long and once you start taking medication if you take it for longer than three years then it actually does change your brain composition and you must maintain that so I've tried to go off medication before and it was very bad and I did it under a doctor's uh, advice and uh, management but it still was not good. And again, that was another thing that I had to accept that I must stay on the medication plus do a range of other things that help me manage what is a major health concern. So Tracy, I know that you work with lots of people and I'd like to know from your perspective some of the things and the activities you've done that you've found most helpful for people that suffer from depression. So for me, I call it I call it treasure hunting. Um, yes. the exercise that I do because I find that depression often has a moment when it just got too much. And yep. there was no solution. And like I said, I truly think it is an ailment of the of the strong. Because at that moment when a strong person discovers they can't fix it for themselves or everybody else, they lock down and, and try yep. to avoid it. But I always yes. find that when we avoid things, they they fester. They have they have to really because everything within our brain, both you know, in our head brain, our heart brain, our gut brain. It's all forever fluid. It's always movement and, and understanding. So <clears throat> for me, I always get them to treasure hunt the moments that they were strongest, the moments that they did have answers, the, the things that they can remember that were really strong and healthy. And normally those moments are right before they, they get into these problems. So normally when we look at that, we can then walk down the path and see why all of a sudden when they got to a corner in one of their corridors they they just hit the wall they just couldn't turn the corner so to and, just sorry, yeah, sorry tracy so for 
I'm glad that Tracy is saying this because I was a very strong person and I coped and I coped and I coped and I coped and I coped. So if you're talking to people who work in mental health, usually there are what they call triggers. And as major or as minor as shifting properties from one city to another is an event. So for me, I had event after event after event after event after event until I got to the point where my brain said, enough. That was the first breakdown. Again, that strong person keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, not talking to people and trying to hide from what the volume of stressors in their life was until they get to the point where they break. And that brain break often results in a major depressive disorder. Sorry, Tracy. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, you know, what I love most, Tony, about depression is it's actually something you can really work with. Unlike some of the more pronounced things like schizophrenia and stuff, which is extremely defining for the person with it, depression actually doesn't have its own personality. You can... You can make that part of your dance however it suits you. So for some people, like yourself, it's become a, it's, I guess, the fence. It's become your boundaries. You know, yes. okay, this is this is where I sit comfortably. And I'm prone to pushing myself and I'm prone to doing more than I should. And I'm prone to helping everybody. But, yeah. you know, depression for you is like a bit of a, bit of a fence. But it is. Interest, interestingly enough, for for my daughter, it's it's a bit like a staircase. It's a bit yeah. like, okay, okay let's, because she's quite young, you know, she's only 28. And so, you know, for her, it's like, okay, let's address why this is happening and how this is happening. And let's see if I can get past this. Okay, so we've gotten up to another level. Okay, it's it's still kind of here. It's come back a little bit. You know, I can see her kind of going up and down the staircase. It's yeah. it's quite different for her. And I think, I think you know the the great thing about depression is it doesn't have a personality. So people are capable of of sorting it out for themselves and thinking, okay, it's in my life and it looks like this. And to be honest, Tony, we live in a really a really stressful world. We live in a we highly do. stressful world. We live in quite an unnutritional world. We don't yeah. live in a world that's feeding our soul nutritionally. We don't live in a world where we have, like we used to, where we all grew our own vegetables and we knew mm-hmm. how good they were. You know, nutrition, walking and exercise, quality sleep, quality friends, um, having a good network, those are all vital to dealing with depression. And if you're going to deal with it without medication, you have to have all that stuff locked down. But, Absolutely. You know, I, I'm sure in America it's the same as it is here in Australia. When you go looking, you know, whenever I say to one of the girls, you know, I'll get you a supplement for that, you know, I'm laying, I'm outlaying $40. Well, some people don't have yeah. $40, $60, $80 a week for the supplements that they need to nutritionally balance their bodies to keep their, their equilibrium and their serotonin well, you know, yeah. and... I'm forever saying and advocating that the government needs to pull its finger out and really start providing healthy answers, not just clinical answers for for all of these things that are going on. Because, Tracy, some people, um, there are herb, there's a combination herb called St. John's Wort. And for some people, that particular supplement although it's not a pharmacy brand, uh, a pharmacy 
medication, you can buy it just from chemists in Australia. Sometimes that's enough to help people manage their depression and that's a uh, natural uh, solution. Uh, but for other people, you need to step into a chemical solution, i.e. the tablets. But the other thing is there's lots of different therapies that people find helpful. Um, one of those uh, that I've learnt most about is cognitive behaviour therapy. And it, that therapy is a psychological treatment that recognises the way we think, that's cognition, and act, yep. that's behaviour. Um, and it's effective in treating depression because the professionals help you to change your thoughts and behaviour by teaching you to think rationally about common difficulties. And it shifts you from a negative and unhelpful thought pattern and reaction to a more realistic, positive, problem-solving approach. So whereas before I might have seen it as catastrophic that I uh, forgot to send an email at work, and this is back before my, um, my major episode, I saw that as catastrophic, when it, the reality of that is that me not sending that email, that's not going to result in a life or death situation. That's not going to result in anything catastrophic. So that was part of my journey, was changing my reaction from an unrealistic reaction to a more realistic one. And I have to say that still remains one of my key challenges in thinking about the world in a realistic and positive problem-solving approach. Um, what do you think, Chase? Uh <clears throat> Absolutely, and I've noticed a question came up about, you know, meditation versus medication. Yes. And they both have a very valuable place. The question you have to ask yourself is where you're at with your with your journey because to be able to deal with meditation, you need to still be fairly in control of what's going on. Yes. Um, I know for, for my daughter, she got to a stage where she was out of control. Yeah. Um, she couldn't really focus and her thoughts got extremely dark and self-harming so at that stage meditation wasn't going to help her because she couldn't function that she couldn't hold it having now been medicated for eight weeks she is back into meditation and finding it extremely helpful to cause her to relax and help her to sleep at night Um, and she's and she's fully loving it so With all of the natural therapies and with all of the therapies, with depression, the only question you have to ask yourself is where you think it is in, in the line of control. Yeah. And when that moment comes where you think, I, I don't even think I can call it depression because I don't know what's going on. And like you yeah. said, you're standing in, a, in an open office with other people crying yeah. or yeah. you're sitting at home on the couch and it's 10 a.m. and you and you just can't go or Get, you stop yes. answering the door or you yeah. can't go to somebody's birthday party, when when that control starts to slide, you have to talk to a professional you because that's when, you're, that's when you're starting to lose control and, and that's when you're going to have to have somebody else helicopter in and take a really good look at what's going on. I agree. Um, it, it, it depends on when you reach that rational thought of, 
I, I think I might have depression. And from that point, working out what works from you, I have a lovely comment from Willow. I've been honest, I've suffered from depression all my life and it does get hard to bear. The first thing that helped me was being able to admit that I have it. I'm not able to discuss much of it, but I have owned it and I'm making choices to make things better. I would agree, Willow, and I'm sure this is Tracy's experience as well. It is incredibly hard to admit that you have a mental health problem. I just, it that was the hardest thing for me. And the realisation that had I sought that help in my 20s, I may not have gone to a full major breakdown in my 40s. But I was so ingrained to think that I was so flawed and so bad that I had something that I had no control over and it's taken the longest time to admit it's okay. I have depression and anxiety. This is what it looks like for me and I want to tell other people because by telling other people, it makes it okay for them to get the help that, that they need. But it still remains difficult to discuss and hard to talk about because of the depth of and range of feelings that you feel and they're not easily articulated to people who don't understand so I have a real love in my heart for people who have a mental health diagnosis of obviously I completely understand depression and anxiety from a range of levels from uh, the very bad to the the okay but yes admitting that there's an issue and seeking help is the first step and for anyone listening today I just encourage you to make that first step because despite all the issues we're talking about you can live a wonderful life look at me I'm on radio now I've written a book Um, I get to hang out with amazing people like Tracy and if I hadn't taken that first step to getting help and healing I wouldn't be here I know very much that that first step is reaching out and asking for help and there is so much help out there so much that you can um lean into so in the chat box i've got a little youtube link and this is the music that we were going to play on the show today but we've had such a wonderful conversation with the listeners i'm going to pop the link up in and it's a a, it's uh music and it's called biorial beats to boost serotonin dopamine and endorphin um to help you overcome depression or depressive thoughts and so for many people just recognizing that you might be a bit sadder than normal and taking a step of just quieting your mind and listening to something like these uh, this music for a couple of hours may be enough to help you on the road to recovery for some of us that will mean going to a gp and having a chat and for the majority of other people it'll be a combination of those things 
So, Tracy, I just want to also quickly mention the link between um, alcoholic and, and drug abuse in terms of depression because they often go hand in hand, which makes them difficult to deal with. What's your experience with that? Okay, first of all, Willow, thank you for trusting us with that beautiful knowledge you gave us. Thank you for being so bold. <clears throat> with, with drugs and alcohol, they don't, they don't just come into your life. You invite them, right? It's, it's like we are in charge of our own lives. So when I pick up a glass of wine, I make a choice to drink it. And yeah. what I find is that people that are strong and are, are fairly are under a lot of stress with anxiety, socially it's very easy to mask that with some drinking. Yeah. Especially if your especially if your network knows, like um, for my daughter, she was a high powered business woman in a very young age, and it, nobody yeah. thought anything wrong with her drinking after hours because mm -hmm. they all knew the pressure she was under. They all knew she was being a woman in a man's world, and she was delivering. Yeah. The problem is that that alcohol depletes what the depression is already depleting internally. So yeah. you end up empty. And whenever yeah. someone's empty, they have to fall apart because mm -hmm. there's nothing left. You, you know, and, and in the end, that's what happens to our whole body. Eventually, yes. at 90, 100 years of age, we all get to this point where there's just nothing left. There's no, and we all pass away. So yeah. what happens is that emotionally and mentally, my daughter was depleting really quickly and she was medicating the only way she knew how, which was depleting it faster. And so <clears throat> what happens is I think there's a huge link to it. And unfortunately, we get so afraid of these links, we don't talk yeah. about it. And yeah. and when we see the link, we, we, we blame alcohol or we blame the drugs. But, but what we have to do, I think, Tony, truly, is like the beautiful Willow said, we just have to actually talk about this and own yes. it. And yes. not, not shame anybody, just, just be okay with it. And, and mental health is the new sexual abuse talk. You know, I was talking about yeah. sexual abuse 10 years ago when everybody else was looking the other way, yeah. saying, you know, please don't have her on your show because she wants to talk about things none of us want to talk about. Yeah. Well, mental health, depression, post-traumatic stress, anxiety, that's the new abuse talk because nobody yes. really wants to have this talk. No. Because nobody really wants to admit that if you lined it up on a spectrum, we're all affected. Yes. Every one of us. Yeah. And it's just a case of those of us that are educated or have the ability to cope or have relationships that, that meet that or, or know how to address that. And, you know, you know, for my, for my daughters, you know, they've been raised yeah. by a woman who makes a living out of this, who's written books on this. Yes. And it still, it still came into my home. And so yes. there is nobody is exempt. And drugs and alcohol are not the way to address it, but it's the socially acceptable way to cope. And to until mask we, it. yeah, and until we open that up, and until we, you know, and and my advice to all the listeners is, if you know someone's under severe stress in your life, and you've noticed their drinking is is coming up, if you've noticed that 
their drug, if you think, well, what's wrong with their mood swings and stuff, and they're possibly yeah. taking drugs, you've got to step in and talk. You've got to step in and talk about it. Because before you know it, it will lead down a very disastrous path. Yeah, yeah. Um, just so that our listeners quickly know the level of depression across the world, it's estimated that 264 million people worldwide suffer from depression. That's a big issue, people. And we just don't talk about it. It needs to be talked about to the point where we consider it like, oh, I've got high blood pressure and I take a tablet for it. And yep. that helps me get through life. That's how we need to be talking about depression. That it's something that can be managed, that we can help others with, and that we should be on the lookout for. Because as Tracy said, often people try and mask these deep, dark, black symptoms with alcohol or drug abuse. And often if you look at the alcohol and drug abuse, underneath is something else. And it could be depression and an inability to tell anyone about these deep, dark feelings that they feel. Because you really just, in that point of black darkness, you really feel that there is no way out, that there's no light at the end of the tunnel. But I'm telling you people that there is, there is a way out. There is a shining light. You just need to open up and tell someone. Tracy, this discussion today has been a really worthwhile one. And Violet says you just should approach the subject delicately. Do you don't want to hurt anyone? Yes, Violet. With love and compassion and empathy, um, never approach someone with anger. Tracy, you would say the same? Yeah. For me, Violet, it came to a point where I actually had to be fairly direct. But I live with this with this concept. I, No matter what I have to say to somebody, I will never touch their dignity. I will never take anything from them. I will never disrespect them, speak down to them, or treat them any less than the human they are, no matter how they behave. And in my case, personally, the behaviour got to a point where I had to address it very, very strongly. Mm -hmm. But I, I never touched the dignity. I never made what was occurring the issue. I made the concern that she was not herself. She changed in the last two years and everybody had seen it and we needed to address it now. But she didn't actually realise at that moment the full depth of how bad, how bad things have got. And that was the same in my experience. I didn't realise just how bad things were until I opened up to my GP. So that's Actually, a really yeah, important... My, sorry, Tony. I You're just right. wanted to jump in and say my daughter did know deep down inside, but she yeah. lost the ability to care, the ability to control it. And, yeah. and that's why I say if you are having dark thoughts, if you are going to that place, because this woman got an MBA with, an, with degrees like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, but very smart girl. If you go down that track and you think to yourself, I just can't control this, you have to speak to a professional. You have to get some help because most of our suicides result from this and we want to yes. stop that. We want to stop that globally. Yeah. yeah. 
My lovely, wonderful listeners. Uh, oh, sorry, before we go, Penny has, is there a point of no return with this? Penny, I would never say that there's a point of no return. I always uh, believe that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm quite frankly telling you that I didn't believe there was a light at the end of the tunnel and that's why you need people around you. So in my case, it was my GP who said, who who reached down, grabbed my hand and said, this is what's going on, let's get some help. So that's why we're bringing this subject today so that you're aware and considered and, and, and looking out for the people in and around you, a work colleague, uh, a friend down the street. If you notice some of these signs and symptoms, just reach out gently and check on them because sometimes that's all it takes to start to bring them out the other side. Um, how would you know if someone has reached it? Tracy, final question to you. How would you know if someone's reached it? Penny, you won't, but being yeah. in their life and being around them will make the difference between whether they're successful or not. When people reach the point where they are feeling suicidal or like the world is at an end for them because of depression, you won't know because they would have covered that so deeply by that stage. Yeah. But being in their life and loving them could make, will make the difference. Will. Absolutely will make, make the, the difference. difference. Between whether they go through with it or not. Yeah. Or My wonderful do. listeners and lovely Tracy, we are completely out of time and we've completely gone over our scheduled time. Listeners, um, thank you so much for engaging with Tracy and I today on what has been an incredibly important discussion. Please feel free to jump on and grab those links that are put up in the chat box. There's lots of resources there. Uh, don't forget to jump on and connect with Tracy on tracyhorton.com, Radio Tony, radiotony.com. Um, we're re completely out of time. I love you all for listening and taking time to engage with us today. So that's all for us this week. I'm your host, Tony Lontis, and Radio Tony out for this week. Over to Take you, care, Rebel. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. Tony, your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony, with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Radio Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mama.